for a person, and I see it all the time, and you may see it all the time as well, it's easier for a person to fight for principles rather than to live up to them. You know that? It's easier to fight for principles rather than to live up to them. We have all these principles in our lives, but yet we don't live up to them, but we're going to fight for them because this other person's got to see things my way. We need to live up to what God wants for us out of pleasure, passion, and praise to Jesus and no other reason. transition of power in the nation of Israel went from God through the prophet Samuel to the man King Saul, it was very important to the Lord that his people know and acknowledge that God had done nothing wrong to deserve their rejection in this way. They readily admitted that the Lord and Samuel had always been good to them. Are you still led by the Lord? Is God your king? Or are you beginning to direct and lead yourself whenever you desire without bothering to take the time to consult God's wisdom and plan? In today's message, Pastor Mark will caution us to remain submitted to God's authority. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12 with today's edition of Come Alive. Then Samuel said to the people, It's the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now therefore stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord. Look what he says, reason with you. Me and some of the guys are going through apologetics, reasoning through the scriptures. The reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone to Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot their Lord, their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. And then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and Ashtaraths. But now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve you. And the Lord sent Jeroboam and Bedan and Jephthah and Samuel. And he delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Okay, so what he's saying here, again, context, context. We got to go back to the context. What's being said? What's being taught? What's the truth behind this? Backsliders bragging about their success. Look what we did. Samuel gets frustrated. He reminds him, remember, frustration needs to what from last week? Fuel. Help me out. You guys taking notes? I've seen, I've seen people writing. Flip a page. Look at the page before this one. Fuel. Frustration needs to fuel us to do what? Something. Something. So the frustration, and Samuel gets frustrated. He reminds them it was by the hand of God. He looks back to the Lord, says it was by the hand of God. The question needs to be asked, why did they need deliverance? Whenever somebody comes 
And they start talking about, well, you know, here's what the Lord did. And then, you know, we didn't, we, we were defeated with the Lord when the Lord did it. And then you got to ask a certain question. Why did you need deliverance? What did you do to cause the Lord to need to deliver you? Because they were notorious about forgetting and forsaking the Lord. Aren't we that way? Notorious for forgetting and forsaking the Lord? How many of you think about Jesus all day long? The Bible tells us that should be at the forefront of our mind, but yet we have jobs. Well, yeah, I got a job. I got to think. But couldn't you think about two things at the same time? Sure, we can. We do. I can watch TV and think about something else. You know, the brain is such an amazing thing that you can read a book and totally read the words and not even know what the words are saying, thinking about something else. So, So there are two things that you're doing. You know you're reading, catching some of those words. Okay, so here's this. They were notorious for forgetting and forsaking the Lord, but each time they forgot and forsook, what did it say he did to them? He delivered. They cried out. And he delivered. He was faithful. And then their reaction to his deliverance, they forsake him. That's the reaction. Okay, cool. We've been delivered. Now let's forsake him again. We can move on. You know, <laughs> it's really not God. It was, it was a natural cause. A tornado wiped out our enemies. I mean, any time a tornado can do that. It's almost as insane as the theory of evolution. I mean, if evolution really existed then you and I should be able to take a pile of lumber, some nails, and set it out there in the parking lot, walk away from it, and in a billion years come back and a house will be built. That's silly. So God delivers them, and then they forsake him. And they say, rather than having God rescue us, we would rather have a king rescue us. But see, they're not even smart enough to realize that their king is in a field as a plowboy behind oxen. And what falls upon him? The Spirit of God. God allows him a king. The attitude is, why did you let us fall into the hands of our enemy in the first place? Where where was God when we fell into the hands of the enemy is always the question. It's always the question even today. When I'm having trouble, where's God? Well, how, let's see. Let's see. How did you get into trouble? How did you get there? See, God's like, dude, where was I? Do you even know why you fell into trouble in the first place? To, why you even fell into the hands of your enemy? You continue to run from me and shrug off my commands and constantly want to do things your way. And yet you're asking, where was I? I was here. I was watching, going, really? Seriously? And, Lord, get away from me. I want to do things my way. We want a king. And later on, we're going to see this problem with the king. In their pride and arrogance and assumption, they have failed to see that it was God who came upon that plowboy to lead them and to direct them into victory. It's like, hey, Samuel, you said God didn't want us to to have a king. But look, hey, bro, we got one and we won. We won the battle. That's all they're doing right here. We were successful with our new king. What about... When we tell our kids not to do, anybody ever have this problem? I have this problem. We tell our kids, hey, you know what? Or our loved ones or our friends or people in our church, hey, don't do that. It's going to be bad news. Don't do it. It's going to be bad. And you stand the risk. Here's what happens when you tell your kids or your friends or your loved ones not to do something because something's going to happen. The risk is it may not happen. Hey, if you drink and drive, 
you could get into an accident and you could kill somebody. And the next morning, maybe your teenage son or daughter shows up and smelling like the bar and like, hey, I drove home drunk, Dad, and I didn't kill anyone. Hey, <laughs> you were wrong. Oh, I was wrong. It must, it must not happen. Since it didn't happen last night, they didn't kill anyone when they were drunk. Well, then it must be okay to drink and drive. But that's the risk. But that doesn't mean that we don't tell them right. No, 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 no. Drinking and driving, no one gets hurt. That's the wrong thing to say. Drinking and driving, somebody will get hurt. It may not happen then. It doesn't mean that it won't ever happen. It may not ever happen, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And for us to think that, well, just because it didn't happen one time, it won't ever happen, well, that's just bad logic. That's not carrying things through to the logical conclusion. So when you hear God's word of warning, whether through me or through one of the people sitting next to you or through a a radio uh, ministry or whatever, and you don't heed it, know this. Know this. And just take note. It may be grace for the season. God's grace for a season. But there may come a day when you assume God doesn't have the strength or the power and that he may approve or whatever, but be careful because it will come. And when God's wrath will come, you can't say you weren't warned. I've sat in front of many people, and when they come in there, like, why did God allow this to happen? I'm like, bro, gosh, I, I think I was the one that God even used to tell you not to do that. Like, yeah, it was me. I remember. Here's the conversation you and I had. And they're like, I had a young lady even one time tell me, nobody told me not to marry that guy. And I remember I was about to throw the phone at the wall. I was like, are you kidding me? I think I was the one that told you not to marry the guy and move here to get away from him. What would you do? You married him and you brought him here. I didn't want you and him here. That was insane. Don't say no one told you because I know three of the pastors that counseled you in marriage counseling. And when that big fight prior to the marriage happened, I think all three of those guys said, don't marry him. Well, they didn't tell me. No, you didn't hear them. And I I remember your boyfriend calling one of my friends saying, hey, it's off. And then two weeks later, it's on. We worked things out. You had a lot of warnings. And now here you are. In this torrential downpour, this, as you describe, your living hell, and you hate life, and yet you're trying to blame somebody for not warning you? I think God was screaming at you, saying, don't do this. Not yet. Give it some time. It's funny how that happens. It happens all the time. So the king, the king even has to keep God's commands here. Look at verse 14. If you fear the Lord and you serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. Even the king has to keep God's commands. However, verse 15, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your father's. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. You know, I I just think this verse may be for some of us in here today. I, I don't know who you are, but this is what you may find 
as the remedy to Israel's problems, and you can see that, but it may also be the remedy to our problems. And what that what is that? To fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. In the book of Nehemiah, in chapter 2, verse 9, Nehemiah holds a meeting with these people, the elders of the city who are making loans and charging interest for the people. They're trying to rebuild the walls. And he doesn't tell them to do anything except to walk in the fear of the Lord because God says it's against his laws. You're not supposed to charge interest to your your brothers and sisters. If you're going to make a loan, loan them the money. Don't make money off of that. Some of us might be like, well, that's dumb. Well, why would you do that? Well, think about it. If somebody loaned you money and you didn't have to pay extra, you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to that guy. So that's what happens. And then again in Nehemiah um, chapter 2, verse 15, he says why he does what he does because it talks about him being a great leader, a righteous man. He says he does it in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 16, 6, again, tells us how to depart from evil is by walking in the fear of the Lord. And you might be thinking, well, evil is not your definition of evil. Evil is sinning against the Lord. That would be evil, anything against the Lord. So let me tell you this and take note. It's easier for a person, and I see it all the time, and you may see it all the time as well. It's easier for a person to fight for principles rather than to live up to them. You know that? It's easier to fight for principles rather than to live up to them. We have all these principles in our lives, but yet we don't live up to them, but we're going to fight for them because this other person's got to see things my way. We need to live up to what God wants for us out of pleasure, passion, and praise to Jesus and no other reason. Out of pleasure, passion, and praise to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he gave his life for you and I on a cross. So here's one of those conditional clauses. Remember we talked about those last week, that if you do this, God will do that. Well, here's one right here. If you do, and in verse 15, if you don't, right? Look at verse 15. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord, if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. The hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your father's. So Samuel's saying, here's some backup proof. Let me show you what happened when your fathers did this thing. God's hand was against them. Well, I thought he was a loving God. He is. It's called discipline. So if you do this, this is what's going to happen. This, this if clause takes place, if you do. And so there's a lot of them in the Old Testament. There are those in the New Testament. Because here's what happens when we teach out of the Old Testament. Everybody's like, well, I'm not under the law. That's Old Testament. Well, let me just quickly. God is the same when? Yesterday, today, tomorrow. God doesn't change. You know, it's, it's weird. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change his mind. So he's not going to change, right? So in the New Testament, Jesus says, here's the if clause for Jesus. If you love me. And this is where it's going to start to hurt and rub us a little raw today. If you love me, you will keep my commands. How many of you are keeping his commands? Wow, no hands went up. If you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, if you love him, do you love him? We say it. Now prove it. Starting today, prove it. Why is this so important? 
Well, it's an opportunity to reveal our love and our obedience. See, we know the right thing to do, but doing the right thing, well, we tend to just kind of neglect and even forsake, and, and well, that's sin. When we neglect and we forsake, though we know if we love him, we are to keep his commands, but when we don't do them, well, that's sin. Well, I'm forgiven. Uh, I'm forgiven. I'll just ask for forgiveness. Well, knowingly sinning? Really? See, their prosperity would still be a possibility. The children of Israel, going back to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel, their prosperity would still be a possibility on the condition that they and their king would give full allegiance to the Lord and his commandments. Just giving full allegiance to that, saying, I'm willing to give it all to you. And Samuel's going to use a very powerful illustration. Look at verse 16. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? I'm going to call the Lord, and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see what your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourselves. 18, verse 18. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Man, that'd be so awesome to have. Like, it's right now. Like, I just want to be that prophet. Lord, these people who have never witnessed for you and who won't witness for you tomorrow because if he knows everything in the future, I would be like, let's have a hailstorm and just tear up the cars of those who aren't going to do that. How many of your cars, don't raise your hands, but how many of our cars would be tore up? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, the Lord does it. I mean, that's what he says. That's what Samuel's doing right here. Verse 19, and all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. I'm just asking for your cars to be jacked up. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking for a king ourselves. Man, I can't tell you how often I want to pray prayers like that. There may be people in the audience there that are like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever, Samuel. Uh, we, we have the victory, bro. We won. Whatever you say. Some may even be sleeping. Oh, you windbag. It's another one of those sermons. And so Samuel's saying, anyone having a hard time believing what I'm saying? Why don't we do this? It's harvest season, and we're going to go ahead, and, and the rains have stopped, basically, during this time of year. And you've been waiting for the grains to fall off the line. So I'll tell you, here, here's what I'm going to do. Just to show you how great and serious your sin has been, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. I'm going to call and ask for a serious thunderstorm that's going to strip all your little stalks of wheat completely bare, You won't have any harvest this year. And when you think about your plenty as being a sign of your success, well, may that law speak to you concerning your wickedness. And what happens? We read what happens. Okay, God, let it rain down upon your people. Now there's not a sleeping person in that congregation because they're all running. People are running for refuge. The people are saying, Sam, please, Sam, come on, bro, please make it stop. Make it stop. And Samuel's just showing them what's going to happen if they don't repent. What a great sermon illustration to have. That would be awesome. How many times have you heard, watch out, be careful, don't do that. Spend some more time, pray about it. And how often has the people, the Christians, snubbed their nose towards God? But here's the deal. Repent. Repent, guys. Just repent. That's what Samuel's saying, because if you don't, these things will happen to you. 
These things are going to happen to you. You're, you're weak. You're not going to be successful. You're not going to have a return on your investment. And this is going to be a big problem. So God speaks volumes to the people. He speaks volumes to you. But those who stand around and never take serious God's word, the need to fear the Lord, they're the ones who freak out when the storms come. They're the ones who panic. They're the ones who start to shake. They're the ones who start to look around for like, well, let me see. Um, if I do this and I call this and I do this, and they start making their own little plans and they wonder why, like, God's not blessing. They start to freak out. God speaks volumes to the people. Look at verse 20. It says, Then Samuel said to the people, Don't, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness. Yet you do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. And so there are three things you may want to write down. Three things you may want to write down in these two verses that Samuel says. Number one, if you underline in your Bible, then underline fear the Lord. Fear. The other thing, serve the Lord. And then the third thing, forsake all others. Number one, underline fear. It means revere and respect. It doesn't mean afraid, scared, but it means and it implies I don't want to do anything that would stain the reputation of my Savior. You want to honor and you want to glorify him. You want to build him up. It's the same kind of fear and and reverence you would have for the guy that's about to promote you at work. If you really like the guy and he's a righteous dude or or a girl, and you, you want to be like, man, I'll do anything to make my boss look good, and so I'm going to do my best. Even if it means cleaning toilets, I'm going to do my best. So let me ask you, the first one being fear. Is your fear for a man greater than your fear for God? And again, it's the if that I'm throwing in there. Think about it. Is your fear of man greater than your fear of God? Think about that. It could be, it's either yes or no. And and the situation would be, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And one of those commands may be God knocking on your heart to witness his truth to your neighbor, friend, or coworker, right? And you may think, well, come on, Lord. You know, he, he, he may think I'm weird or, or that I'm strange or not intelligent enough. He, he, he may have a better argument for why he doesn't. Have you thought how God would feel if you don't? Have you really thought about it? Like, what? how does God feel by me not standing up and talking about him? Every book in the Bible holds meaning for us, even in our modern times. In 1 Samuel, for example, Pastor Mark has been teaching us about the power and sovereignty of God. Our Creator does what He needs to in order to accomplish His tasks, regardless of our involvement. How much better would it be, though, if we did step into God's plan for His world? God wants to use each of us to do incredible things for the kingdom. All we need to do is be willing. We're so glad you tuned in today to learn from 1 Samuel. And we'd like to encourage you to keep reading ahead. You'll learn a lot as you discover God for yourself. Another good place to hear and study the Word is in a church setting. Here's Tracy with a little more about what being in the body of Christ can mean for you. Joining a church is more than just showing up for a Sunday morning service. 
It's getting to know the people you're worshiping with. As the church body grows together in the love and teaching of God's Word, it will become a powerful and effective witness for Christ within its walls and beyond. If you're near Katy, Texas, we'd love to meet you Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Katy. Visit comealiveradio.com to find out more and get directions. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well to keep up with the latest editions of Come Alive. You can find it on Google Play or iTunes. Thanks for tuning in today to Come Alive.